Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Pastor, thank you. Hello, Thrive. How are we doing this morning? Come on, I said, how are we doing this morning? Anybody love Jesus in the house today? Come on, if you love Jesus, come on, let's just give him one more shout of praise. Wow, I am so excited to be back in a church building and actually looking at human beings. Oh my gosh, this is one of the first times that I haven't preached into a camera. And for those of you that are tuned online, we want to welcome you and say thank you for tuning in. We're so excited that you made the decision to, to, to tune in with us. And it's just like you're in the room. Come on, can we give a round of applause for everybody that's watching online? So like, I just want to take a moment and awkwardly stare at all of you because you're human and we're all in a room. Amen. <laughs> hey, well, I'm excited to be here. I just want to say, I, I believe that honor is the currency of heaven. And I just really believe in honor. And I really want to honor this house and honor your pastors. I want to let you guys know, you already know this, but I want to let you know how blessed you are. I, I, so I want to say that one more time. I want to let you know how blessed you really are. <laughs> how blessed you really are to have the pastors that you have in this house, man, you, you when, when you're around them, you can sense their love, you can sense their authenticity, they're genuine people, they love the Lord, and they love people, and, and that's not just rhetoric, but when I walk in this building, I can see that DNA and that culture in each and every one of you guys, so I want you to know that you are blessed, but that you have also been blessed to be a blessing, and my wife and I have sensed the blessing in this house and in this community, so man, give yourselves one more round of applause. Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I have my beautiful wife, Ashley. She is sitting right there, and uh, we have been married for 47 years, and uh, we celebrate 13 years and, um, of, of marriage in June, and uh, she says she's going to take me to Mexico. Amen. And uh, real quick, if you were here last night, uh, this is just uh, me repeating, but we have four amazing children. Uh, we're both actually Cuban. We're both Latino, Latino and Latina, and uh, we have four children. Brooklyn, who's uh, 12, going on quinceañera. Uh, I also have Talia, who is eight years old. I have Mateo, who is six, going on, he's just six. And then uh, we have an 18-month-old, and uh, she is awesome. I love her. Don't tell my kids who are watching right now. She's my favorite baby, and uh, just kidding. And uh, we also got a puppy. We got a puppy, y'all. So I don't know if I got two puppies or two toddlers, but anyways... So that is, that is us, and we are coming to you from the beachside community of Bakersfield, California, and so, uh, or the armpit of California. I like to just pretend there's a beach there. When there's a puddle, I'm like, beachside? And so, hey, but I really believe that God has given me a word for this community, for you. I've been praying for you. I've been praying about this word, and I really, in essence, feel like it's really a prophetic declaration of what God wants to do in your lives individually and collectively as a faith community. The title of my message, if you're into titles, I'm into titles. The message is called Limited for a Season, Limited for a Reason. I'm going to say that one more time. Limited for a season, but limited for a reason. I'm going to be reading out of the Bible because I think that's always a great place to begin. Amen. I'm going to read one portion of scripture and then we're going to, it's going to be the launch pad or the catalyst to the rest of this, this narrative that I'm going to share with you today and we'll look at more scripture. But I'm going, to, I'm going to read out of the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And this is what the Bible says, yet God has made, made everything, somebody say everything, beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, 
But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has made everything beautiful in your time and in my time. No, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the hearts of man, meaning he is creating, he's created humanity to long for something greater, to long for something greater than themselves. And yet he says, none of us can imagine the scope of what God has done from beginning to end. So even if we attempted to figure out God's timeline, even if we attempted to figure out what God was gonna do, when he was gonna do, we wouldn't be able to do so, amen? Now on that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for everybody that's in this room, and I thank you for everybody that's watching online. Father, I pray for the next few minutes that I would become less and that you would become more. Father, I pray that wherever we are at on this spiritual journey, whether we've just come to know you, whether we've walked with you all the days of our lives, we were born literally on the altar of the church, or maybe we followed you and we've fallen away, or we walked with you and we've fallen away, or maybe we don't even know who you are and someone dragged us to church or made us watch online, bless God. Wherever we are at on this spiritual journey, I would pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd speak to our minds. I pray that for the next few minutes, we would just put aside any preconceived notions we have about a church and ministry. Just put all aside so that we can hear you and see you more clearly, God. And I pray that you would challenge us to go from glory to glory, from level to level in you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Now, if we can be honest with ourselves for just a moment, just this moment, lie to yourself for the rest of the day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if we can be honest with ourselves for just a moment, we can honestly say that this past experience, this past season that we've experienced has been like none other. It's been an insane season and we're still even dealing with the ramifications of the current season that we were come, thought we were coming out of. And I could probably go ahead and say and go on a limb and say that in this past season, many of you, not many of us, have sensed some sort of limitation in our lives. Meaning that in some area and in some space and in some arena of our life, we have felt a limitation. We've been limited in a particular area. Maybe at, because of this COVID season, you were limited as it pertains to your work world. Maybe instead of going to an office, you got sent home. Maybe for some of you, you lost your job during this season uh, of COVID. Maybe for some of you, you were getting ready to step out and start a business venture and everything shut down and it put a pause on your situation. Maybe in this past season, you felt limited relationally. There was people that you weren't able to see for period, a long period of time. Well, wherever you're at on that, I can probably go ahead and say that if not all of us have sensed some sort of limitation in our lives. Now, when you look throughout the different biblical narratives, you will always see that men and women of God always experience some sort of limitation. And the, the thing is, is that when you look at the limitations that God allowed through these different biblical narratives, you will always see that a limitation came with a purpose. That oftentimes God would allow a limitation to bring redirection. God would allow a limitation to add character. God would allow a limitation to prevent that individual from stepping into a danger that they did not know existed ahead of them. But anytime you look at scripture, you see that, God, that there were limitations, 
but all of these limitations had a reason. And I would just want to present to you today that if you had felt limited to some capacity in some space and in some arena in your life, could it be that there has been purpose and intentionality in that limitation and that God wanted to do something in that limitation? He had a reason to order to lead you into the next season of your life. Come on, are you with me today, Thrive? As I look throughout scripture, I'm a pattern type of person. I, I was good at math up until fourth grade. And so I, I like to look, I like adding and subtracting and multiplying. Don't get me dividing, throw a fraction in there and I'll just go crazy, right? But I love to see patterns. When I think of limitations and I look at the Bible, I notice that there's three overarching limitations that can happen in our lives. And under those three overarching limitations, you can have subcategories, but I notice that there's three kinds of limitations. And I want to present these to you because maybe some of you or one of you or, or all of us have found ourselves in one of these, and if we haven't, we will, but I want to give us some understanding. The first kind of limitation that I see when I look at scripture is divine limitation. What is the definition of divine limitation? This is a limitation that comes from God. This is when God limits you and doesn't allow you to go into that or step into that or do that one thing. God brings a limitation. Yes, is there moments where God limits us? Yes. Let's look at scripture to back that up. In the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10, the apostle Paul has a desire to go to Asia, more specifically the chief city of Ephesus. He wants to go there to preach the gospel, but he encounters a problem. Listen to this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Frisia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. It didn't say having been kept by the kukui, having been kept by Satan, having been kept by, you know, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas during the night. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding we came to the conclusion and the understanding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what's really going on in this story? Paul has a great desire. Paul wants to do something good. He wants to do something profound. He wants to do something dope. He wants to go to Ephesus and he wants to preach the gospel. That's a good thing. And as he sets sail and he gets ready to go to Ephesus, the spirit of God limits him. The Spirit of God stops them, and twice the Scriptures say the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus stopped them and prevented him from going into the place that he wanted. It limited him from going into the place that he wanted, and that limitation brought a dream that gave him a sense of redirection. So sometimes God will limit you in one direction because he wants to redirect your attention in a new direction. Come on, am I preaching to somebody in the house today? See, and oftentimes we think that God's limitation is a no. Maybe it's not a no, 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 no. Maybe it's just not a right now. See, we often think that because God isn't allowing us to do something that it's just an indefinite no. Some of you right now, are you so frustrated 
because you set out on an endeavor, you set out to do something, and you sense that God has told you no. Maybe God has brought me here to tell you his no is not an indefinite no. It's just not a right now, but at the right time, the door will open for you. Now, how do we know this? Because two chapters later, what does God do? He opens the door for Paul to go to Ephesus. Acts 18, uh, 19 says they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Achaia. And he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. In this moment uh, where Paul wanted to go into into, into Asia, he wasn't allowed to. God wanted to send him to Europe first. And then after Europe, he sent him to Asia. The question is, why did God allow the limitation? Could it just be that the reason that God allowed that limitation and didn't allow Paul to go into Ephesus was because there was some danger that lied ahead that only God knew of because we can't imagine what God has done from beginning to end and everything is made beautiful in his time. So he was protecting Paul. Could it just be that the reason that God hasn't let you step into that endeavor is because he's protecting you from something greater than yourself that you can't even foresee? Could it just be that in a limitation, God has been protecting you? See, it was, God was trying to reveal to Paul that he had a different strategy. You know, in our heart, we plan our ways, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. So many times we try to dictate to God what he should be doing in our lives. And then we say, God, bless my plans. How about we start saying, God, what are your plans? Because they're already blessed. And I just want to walk in that favor. I want to walk in that goodness. I want to walk in your mercy. My, see, the devil is a liar because my, my sermon just erased, but it's back here. Amen. <laughs> Could it just be that the reason that God didn't allow Paul to go to Ephesus was because Ephesus wasn't ready to receive the magnitude of the gift that he was going to be to that community? Could it just be that God had to prepare Ephesus for Paul and Paul for Ephesus? Could it just be that God has prevented you from being on this platform? God has prevented you from starting that business. God has prevented you from going to that place because he has to prepare it for you and you for it. And if he lets you go into it, it would be like casting pearls before swine. Pigs have no idea the value of pearls. And I want you to understand that you are loved, that you are favored, that you are a royal priesthood. And if God is going to send you, he's going to make sure that they're going to receive you for the man and the woman of God that you are. But we get so frustrated with God when he says no. Man, we always translate his, his, his not right now as a no. See, eventually God opened the door for it. But I believe that some of you have sensed some sort of limitation. And some of you have been frustrated in this season. And you've been upset at God. It's so funny to me that sometimes we get mad at God for doing the right thing when we don't even understand it. We get mad for God and we don't understand that he, he, he's, he, everything is beautiful from beginning to end, that we can't understand or imagine the scope of what he's done, that he is the alpha and the omega and he occupies time and space and every dimension and every realm and everything in between that he knows best. God has an aerial perspective on your life. You know what God has? God has like, what are those, uh, the, the owner seats, the box seats at the basketball game? You know, like when you sit in like, when you sit in like all the way up, up, and then you look at the box seats and you just feel real broke. You know what I'm talking about? He got the good seats. We got the broke seats. He's got the good seats. He can see everything. And so maybe God's divine limitation in your life has served the purpose. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to go to the second type of limitation. The second kind of limitation that we see in Scripture is geographical and social limitations. 
geographical and social limitations. So sometimes we're limited because of the location that we're at, the place that we're at, and the people that we surround ourselves with. Listen to this in Mark chapter six, verse one through six. Are y'all still with me today, Thrive Church? Amen. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and Tupac, and Biggie? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, amongst his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, let's give you some context. Jesus has just finished getting baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist where God the Father appeared in the Holy Spirit. And God said, this is my son and whom I love and who I'm well pleased. And then he goes into the desert and then he goes in fast and pray. And he has an encounter with El Cucuy. And then after that, he goes in to his hometown and he gets to his hometown. And I have to believe, just, just looking at the life of Jesus, that Jesus came into that town with a desire to heal some people. Jesus came in there full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus came ready like Freddie. He was ready to lay some hands. He was ready to do what he needed to do. He was ready to cast some things out. He was ready to do some things. But the Bible says that Jesus was only able to do a few miracles, that he was limited in what he was able to do. Why was Jesus limited? The reason that Jesus was limited was because his circle was limiting him. How do we know? Because the people didn't have the capacity or the ability to see the deity that was standing before them. They didn't have the ability to see the God inside of Jesus. How do we know that? Well, in one moment, God is saying, this is my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased with. And then in the next moment, you have the people saying, isn't this the son of Mary? Let me tell you, in biblical times, you never referred to a man as a son of a woman unless you were saying he was a bastard child or he was illegitimate so in one sense God said this is my son and in the other town the friends say isn't this the son of Mary in one moment God says this is the savior of the world who I've sent who's going to live this life as an example who's going to go to the cross he's going to die for your sins he's going to resurrect on the third day and he's going to send a counselor called the Holy Spirit that's going to baptize you with fire this is the man this is the myth this is the legend and then he goes to a new area a territory and he surrounds some people and they can't even see what God just declared. See, some of you have been limited because of where you are at. Some people can't see the Jesus in you. Some people can't see the man of God and the woman of God that you are. Some people can't see the worth and the value that you bring to the table. Some of you are in spaces where you've been limited, and because of that, you've been frustrated. And some of you have friends. You have your church on Sunday, but you have your homies and your homegirls on Monday, and they hold you back from stepping into the fullness of everything that God has for you. And you know, we did this marriage conference. Some of you married people, man. The reason you have struggles in your marriage is not because you're unhealthy. You're healthy, but you keep surrounding yourself with unhealthy marriages. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. So some of you will be limited in those spaces. See, but God allows those limitations because that limitation pushed Jesus on to the next. 
And when Jesus went on to the next, he fed 5,000 people with some fish tacos, amen? He went on to the next. Oh, you didn't believe in me in this season. Oh, you didn't limit, I was limited in this season. Instead of getting on my social media and just, and just going off on you and subtweeting you, I got 1,000 followers, but I just want that one person to see who's blocked me anyway, so they're not gonna see. I'm going to complain about how the church didn't use me. I'm going to complain about my boss. I'm going to complain about instead of going to social media and acting like a, a little baby, maybe God is saying, stop acting like a baby and start going into your necks. It's time to go into your necks. Some of you have also been comfortable where you're at. So there's no growth. You know, my wife has had so many kids, so I'm always thinking about kids, right, in pregnancy. And after, and, and, you know, the baby cooks in the womb for nine months. Ours are Cuban, so it cooks with like sazon. There's like lemon, garlic up in there. You know what I mean? It's like a little lechon, just chilling in there. Like when the baby comes out, I always have a plate of rice and beans ready to go. It just makes sense. And the baby, the baby stays in there for nine months. The baby's real comfortable, real cozy. Mom's not, but the baby's chilling. And the only reason the baby comes out from one realm into the next or from one dimension into the next is because of a thing known as contractions. Babies don't like contractions. See, contractions start straining on the child. They start pushing on the child. And those contractions are taking something that was once comfortable and making it uncomfortable to push it from one realm into the next. Can you imagine if that baby stayed in there beyond nine months, 10 months, 11 months? First of all, it's not physiologically possible. But imagine that. It would be this, this baby that has outgrown the space that they were only supposed to be in there for a season. But because of its comfortability, it wouldn't want to leave. So sometimes God has to allow contractions in your season, not literal ones. He has to allow you to feel the strength of people maybe not wanting to use you, people not seeing the value in you, feeling the limitations so that he can push you from one realm into the next. Come on, am I preaching to the right church today? We get so mad about limitations, but if we would just have the proper perspective to see what God is trying to do, then we would just be able to walk a whole lot better and healthier into the next season. And my third thought, my third, third, third thought is the last kind of overarching limitation that we see is self-inflicted limitation. Self-inflicted limitation. You know, there's the scripture about going from glory to glory. I love that scripture. You want to get a crowd fired up? You say, and you're going from glory to glory. Ha ha. Ta ta ta. You know, in the context of that scripture, it's talking about in the likeness of God, that we are progressively going to be made more and more like Jesus, grow into from glory to glory. We go from level to level, but oftentimes, Christians, we stay at stagnant level, or we stay at the comfort level, or we stay at a particular level, and sometimes, sometimes, the reason we're at that level is because it's self-inflicted. The author of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, gives us some insight. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. <clears throat> How do we do this? Well, we do this by keeping our eyes 
on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So the author of this text is essentially saying there's two kinds of distractions that will come in the life of a believer, two kinds of distractions. And self-inflicted, the first distraction that limits us is the weights that slows us down, and the second one is the sin that trips us up. Now, I want you to know the weight is not necessarily sin, but it's things that we've allowed in our lives that keep our devotion from Christ. It's things that we've slowly allowed to creep in that are taking our time and our tension off the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's things that aren't sin, but things that distract us. And listen to this in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Paul says, all things are legitimate, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please, but not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, and wholesome. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character, glory to glory to glory, and edifying to spiritual life. So he's saying, you can do anything you want. Anything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. See, some of us in our lives, we are carrying dead weight. There are things in your life that are keeping you from devoting yourself to him to the degree and to the extent that he's calling you to. I want you for just a moment to pause and ask yourself, what things in my life have I allowed that aren't necessarily sin, but they're taking my attention off of God? For some of you, it's busyness. I want to speak to those who say they're too busy for church. I want to speak to those who say they're too busy to pray. I will, you know what it is? It's not that you're too busy. It's just that you're misaligned with your value system. Because whatever you value, you give your time, attention, and treasure to. And so if God is not the foundational value in your life and in your home and in your marriage and with your children, then you will not give him the time, the attention, and the treasure that he deserves. If there was only more hours in the day, for what? You would just fill it with more useless stuff. So it's not that we don't have enough time, it's just that you're not giving time to the things that you should. For some of us, it's comparison. Comparison is the worst thing, especially social media. You know what everybody's eating, you know where everybody's vacationing, you know what, every, what all everything. And oftentimes we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other. Comparison will either create inferiority or make us feel superior. Superiority and inferiority. And so sometimes even as we find ourselves comparing ourselves to the other, it starts creating bitterness in us. For some of you, it's relationships, all this other stuff. But one of the things that I really think about is that sometimes God will allow a limitation to bring a reset to your thinking. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he think in his heart, so he is. Some of you have this way of negative thinking. You think that things are always going to be this way and things are never going to change. You think about, I'm not good enough. God can't use me. I'm not worthy enough. He, you don't know what I did yesterday. No, he does, but he still loves you. You're still alive. You still have air in your lungs. There's still purpose in your life. And sometimes God has to, has to limit you from stepping into something new because he has to reset you because he can't have you going into the season carrying the dead weight that you've been carrying for so long. This negative thinking. You know, you know that the devil can't curse you, but you know who can curse you? You. The Bible says a tongue can bring life or death, and those who love <clears throat> to talk will reap its consequences. 
All the enemy has to do is throw a little lie your way. You catch on to that lie. You let that, you let, it's like a little bird. You let that little bird fly over, land on your head, hatch its eggs, make its nest, and give birth to new death. For some of us, we've believed a lie for so long in our lives that it's limited us. It's been dead weight. You know why Peter immediately released his nets when Jesus, when he had an encounter with Jesus? The reason that Peter uh, released his nets immediately is because if Peter would have tried to follow Jesus holding on to those nets, it would have been dead weight. I'm still gonna try to hold on to this and I'm still gonna follow you, Jesus. After a couple days, maybe after a couple weeks, maybe after a couple months, I guarantee you, Peter would say, man, this is too much, Jesus. You go on ahead with the other 11, well, 10, because one's going, anyway, we'll talk about that later. You go ahead and I'm just gonna rest here for a minute. I'm gonna stay here because the nets, but don't worry, don't worry, I got the app. I'll find you, you know what I'm saying? He released the nets, the Bible says, immediately because he immediately understood that stepping into the newness of this season would require him to let go of the dead weight of this last season to embrace everything he has for. Some of you, God wants to reset your mind. And then, for the sake of time, Thing, the second thing that limits us is the sin that trips us up, the sin that entangles. That word entangles in the original language means controlling tightly. It actually refers to our most troublesome and sidetracking sin. It refers to repetitive sin, the same thing that trips us up over and over and over and over and over again. And so some of you, yes, there's grace. Yes, there's mercy. Yes, he takes our sin as far as the east from the west and he makes it no more. Yes, we comprehend that, but we have a responsibility called repentance. We have the responsibility to turn from our sin and walk into the newness that God has given us. And for some of you, you're carrying guilt and shame because you're trying to walk in this new thing, but you keep falling into this old thing. And I believe that God would say to you, I want you to forget that. I want you to put that away. I want you to give it to me so that you can follow me wholeheartedly. Sometimes we're stuck. Have you ever tried to run entangled? Try tying up your legs and trying to run. You won't get too far. So this troublesome, sidetracking, repetitive sin. Maybe God brought me here today to say, beloved, I'm not the one who's limited you. You've limited yourself, but I've sent my son to free you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and the spirit is here. And therefore we have access to freedom through the King of Kings and through the Lord of Lords. He didn't die on the cross for our sins and resurrect on the third day so we could live a mediocre life. See, John 3, 16, he's come to give us life and life forevermore. And we look at that and say, wow, that forevermore is when we die and go to heaven. Beloved, I would present to you today that he has promised you life in abundance here and life in abundance up there. As I get ready to close in the next 45 minutes, just kidding. There's always a lesson in the limitation. Greater than that, I believe, limitation brings alignment, realignment. And if anything that this season has taught me is that God has, has allowed certain things to realign us, to realign me, to realign my marriage, my children, and our church. And I, and I think about the story. Do you have a picture of my son in the x-ray? Do we have that photo? That's his heart. That's an x-ray of my son's heart. And uh, is it up? Do we have the photo? It's the x-ray. 
Well, anyways, uh, we were pastoring in Sacramento and uh, we were at church and someone was watching our son and I get a text and a call. Ashley's leading worship. I'm running around and we get a text of a picture of my son's arm and it was like, you know, you know, arm, it was like this, like it was just bent. And, and, and so I get here broke because he was on a trampoline. I never wanted that trampoline, but we'll talk to us about that later. And uh, so we rushed, to, we rushed to, uh, to go pick him up. I get pulled over by Highway Patrol because I'm speeding to take him to the hospital. And anyways, uh, long story longer, we get to the hospital and we take him in there and we get an x-ray of his arm. And the doctor comes in and he goes, yeah, his arm's broken. I'm like, really? Wow, I couldn't see that, you know, $10,000 later. And, uh, you know, my son was like four at the time. My son's super active, like super active. Like the dude, like, I just want to just lick his face to get some of that caffeine that just comes off of his body. You know what I mean? I'm like, son, just lay hands on me. Give me the energy that you have all the time. Even in his sleep, he can't stay still. And so, um, so the doctor says, well, I have good news. He says it can be repaired. And he, I said, okay, with a cast. I said, okay. He goes, I have bad news though. I, I said, what, the, the bill? Or he said, no, that's coming next. He goes, the bad news is your son's going to have a cast for eight weeks. I'm like, what? You sound like your mama. What'd you say, eight weeks? You're going to put a four-year-old human boy who just reeks of espresso naturally in a cast for eight weeks, what is my, my you're gonna limit my son. He's gonna be limited in the mobility of his arm. And he says, I understand, but right now he doesn't have full functionality of his arm. He is limited, but he said with this cast being on, this limitation is going to bring a sense of alignment to this bone. And this alignment is gonna heal the bone. And this alignment is gonna make the bone stronger. So yeah, he's gonna be limited for eight weeks, but when that cast comes off, he's gonna be realigned, redefined, and ready to go and play back on that trampoline and break his other arm. <laughs> and so I believe that God brought me here to tell you that if you have felt limited in this season that the limitations are coming off this isn't just spiritual hyperbole this isn't just rhetoric or wise or persuasive words I say this with the fear of the Lord that the limitations are coming on this is a year where the nexus between heaven and earth collide this is a year of alignment this is a year of retribution for you in Acts 16 Paul was limited by the Holy Spirit but in Acts 18 Paul broke through to Ephesus in Mark 6 1 Jesus was limited, but in Mark 6, 44, he broke bread and fed 5,000 with leftovers. In 2020, you were limited, but in 2021, the limits are coming off. God has limited you to bring an alignment because what? Alignment releases the anointing for the assignments. So I want you to get ready because God's gonna do it in this season of your life, amen? Hey, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this space and in this room, if you're in here right now and maybe you've never accepted Jesus or you're in a place right now where you've fallen away from Jesus, maybe you've been coming to church, you've been connected, but you follow Jesus, I don't mean like you came to church on Sunday, you went to the club on Monday, now you feel like you're not saved, but I mean your life is not alignment with the word of God and you need to come back to, even those of you who are watching at home, this is for you as well. If you're in a place right now, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna make you stand up and recite a haiku or do a dance or anything like that, but if there's anybody in this space with every head 
bowed and every eye closed who says, Jesus, I need to come back to you for the first time or I need to come back to you because it's been a long time. If that's you in this place, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody in this place? Thank you, 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 thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You can put your hands down right now. And what we're going to do in this moment is we're just going to pray. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Now, right where you're at, friends and family, if thrive, I want you to help us and pray together. I want you to repeat this prayer. This prayer isn't magical. It's not going to, heaven's not going to depart right now, but it's going to do something in you so that God can do something through you. It may not change the world around you, but it's going to change you inside to go change your world. And you got to be intentional. But everybody join me in praying this prayer, saying, Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for coming to earth, for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, for the forgiveness of my sins, and for resurrecting on the third day so that I can have life and life forevermore. Now, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life and make me new and teach me how to walk with you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a shout of praise in this place? Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.